I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Why? Because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to me. How powerful last night when Pastor Lori was sharing when God gave her the word for this conference, come alive. And she thought the focus was in alive. And he said, no, the focus is in come. And this morning with Pastor Ingrid, her message of come again daily for that daily bread, not the fix, come to me, come be with me. And today, when we talk about weariness, he is inviting you to the same place. He's saying, come just as you are, with all your weariness, with all your burdens. And the beauty, my friend, is we do not have to fix ourselves before we go. We go just as we are. He's inviting us to come and bring that heaviness, lay it at his feet, and then in return, he gives us this yoke that is light, this yoke of beauty, of peace. Plus, our God is extra. He doesn't just replace it with something light. He also gives us on top of it. He says when we're weary, he gives us strength and he gives us power. And we see that in Isaiah 40, verse 29. He gives strength to the weary. You don't have to be strong to have strength. You can be weary and find the greatest supernatural strength that he gives and so joyfully wants to give to each of us. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Praise the Lord. He invites us to come to not just make our load lighter, but to strengthen us so that he can use us for what he's called us to be, sometimes just daily living, daily purpose. I have three children, like um, Melanie shared. My son is 17, actually 17 next week. My daughter is 15, and then we have a little seven-year-old who'll be eight in April, who rules the house, and everybody will tell you that. Um, but so I was 25 when I was pregnant with my first, and then 35 when I was pregnant with my third, so yeah, you can do the math, I'm 42, getting up there, I know. Um, But my, my last pregnancy was a way different experience than my first pregnancy, partially because the difference of 25 to 35, and I had some health stuff going on at that point, and, um, I struggled with a lot of hip pain, my left hip, throughout my pregnancy. I was in a lot of pain. And even then, the birth experience caused more pain. And then for literally seven years, I've been dealing with pain in my left hip. To the point that if I sit for longer than 10 minutes, if I get up, I'm literally walking like this for a few minutes just until the grease gets going. And then it kind of gets better and it eases up. And it has caused me weariness. I have been, I'm a go-getter kind of a girl. I, I love being active. I used to love running. And for the last seven years, I haven't been able to run. I haven't been able to do the things that I want to do. And even though I'm not like, I'm not stuck in a place where I can't do anything, just the sense of not being able to be who I know that I should be causes weariness. I just felt this heaviness almost always on me. And so I went through the seven years, I went to see many doctors and therapists and people and went for massages and did all these things to try and alleviate the pain. And all of it would help for a day or two. You know, it would feel good. And then if I just spend a little bit too much time at my desk, 
the pain will be right back. Or if I had two days where I was not moving enough, then the pain will come back. And so eventually I gave in and went to go see a Cairo, which that was a no-no on my list. I did not have any piece of me that had peace with going to somebody who's gonna crack my bones, who can't even see my bones. <laughs> like, they just like, crack, crack. I'm like, they could kill you. So I was always like, there's no way I'm ever gonna go to a Cairo, but I eventually did just because she was actually in our church and I heard that she was great, so I'm like, she's a Christian, maybe. <laughs> but I went to her and I told her everything and filled out the hundreds of forms you have to do, and she was feeling me and everything, and she's like, oh yeah, your hip socket is completely out. And I'm like, okay, well, thanks. And then she's, in your spine, I had four discs that were out of alignment, and then she was even in my foot. I never had any pain in my foot. She was working on my left foot, and she's like, there's two bones in here that's completely out. So she's like, if you give me permission, I will put these things back into place. And I was like, Jesus. <laughs> yes, you can put them back in place. So she fixed me, and I walked out of there with no pain. No discomfort. Yeah. God can use doctors. I had no discomfort, no pain. I haven't, haven't had any since. And the crazy thing for me is that all those years, seven years, I think back, I'm like, why didn't I just go a long time ago? But I didn't. But for seven years, I walked with that pain. And all I knew to do was to put bandages on and provide self-care to this weary body. I would go and get the massages, I would do the exercises, I'll do the stretches, and it's great and it feels good in the moment, but then two days later it's just back again. And Pastor Ingrid touched on that so beautifully this morning too. Now actually that just makes me think, dig into your little bags, and there's something in there that looks like this. It's a little mini pedicure set. Uh, manicure. Uh, pedicure, I don't know. Depends on how small your toes are. There's a little emery board. Please don't start doing pedicures right now. But this is a little set to file your nails and the little glitter sparkly thing so you can make some of your nails sparkly. So it's really cute. You can put it back now because we're not going to do this right now. Self-care, that's what we're talking about. Self-care is not a bad thing, right? Self-care is a good thing. We live in a day and age where there's so much focus on create me time for you as women, you know, have self-care, and those things are all, all important. But sometimes we have to dig a little deeper. If you think about this, let's imagine you have been working in the garden and clipping things, and maybe you like, I actually did that once. I was trimming these big tree branches with one of those big things. My dad told me not to do it, but I did. And my whole thumb came out of place. It was so sore, I cried. I literally cried for an hour. This was not part of my message, so I have to stay on track, but I'll be quick. So then, and it literally took 
uh, and he said to me, oh yeah, it's happened to me before. It's gonna do it over and over. Has anybody had that happen? It, it does it over and over, but the pain just become less every single time. So I think now, this is about four years ago, I think I've, the last time it happened was maybe like three months ago, and it was just really quick, and I just felt it go out, and then it went in again. It wasn't sore at all. But at the beginning, it was really, really sore. Now, imagine your hands are weary, painful, sore. Bones are out of alignment in your, in your hands from working. Now, you can go and get a most beautiful manicure done. You could put nails on. You could do all the shimmer. You could use this little set and file it and everything. What's it going to do? It's going to make it look pretty. It's going to give you some comfort in the moment. But are your hands still going to be sore? They are because the muscles need time to heal. Or if the bones are out of alignment, they have to be put back into alignment. Otherwise, weary hands remain weary hands. Now, most of you know the scripture, um, the chapter in Ezekiel about the dry bones. Now, I do not want to go into it because Pastor Rhonda is going to share a power, powerful message later this afternoon on that. But I just want to touch on it really quickly. What we see in this passage is there's this valley covered with dry bones, like dry. Like imagine they're not even white anymore. They're like gray, dry, dried, cracked bones. There's a rib there and a rib there and an ankle bone there and a kind of like a Gertrude kind of version of bones on the ground. And these bones are here, and, and the whole message behind it is that God wants to breathe life into these bones so that they come alive, right? Which I'm not going to go into because she's going to do that. But in order for life to be breathed into these bones, you'll see tonight, there were two steps, two things that he needed to happen. There's a step one and there's a step two. Now, if anybody's ever built anything from Ikea, you know... <laughs> You cannot do step two until you've done step one, right? Or baking. I cannot bake for the life of me. My daughter, my 15-year-old, thankfully loves baking. Because I just bake, I'm like, they say to add this and then add this. I'm like, oh, I'll just do this one first and this one. It doesn't work. It never works. So I don't even try anymore. But there's two steps. And something had to happen first as part one to the coming alive. The bones had to come together in the right position. The first part of that prophetic word was the bones, life was breathed, and the bones started to rattle, and then they all started moving around all over the floor. Imagine her body all over the floor, and they came into perfect position, and then it started to grow sinews and flesh. Still no life, still no coming alive until life was breathed. Step one. Things have to come back into alignment if we want to walk a life without weariness. If the bones and the parts of our being remain out of order, life can be breathed into these bones, but they will not be able to come alive when the bones are still out of whack and out of order. It doesn't work like that. Now, what are these bones for us, ladies, today? It's areas of weariness. So what are your dry bones? What are the out of alignment parts of your being? Where do you experience weariness in your life? What are the areas of your life where you just feel exhausted and hopeless? Just heavily hopeless and weary. Is it your marriage? 
Do you feel like there is no hope in your marriage? Do you feel like it's just, Ermory, it's just too far gone? Is it maybe your finances? Are you month to month and every month you're like, okay, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Or maybe you made an investment and you lost a lot of money and you're like, if you only know the hole that we are in, there is no way we can climb out of this. We're going to have to just live in this hole. Is it your children? Have you maybe lost your connection with those human beings? That you would do anything for? Is that an area where you feel weary? Maybe it's your identity. Maybe you just feel like, I go through every day, I do what I got to do, but I don't really know what God calls me to do. I don't really know why I'm on this planet other than to take care of my children and take care of my husband and go to work every day, and that's kind of that. Is that an area where you feel weary? Listen, firstly, I want you to know that you are not alone. And we're going to do, Pastor Joyce and um, Pastor... Kim is going to do an exercise with us soon, and you'll see, you, you are not alone. And secondly, what I want you to know, and I really feel that this is a word for somebody specific here today, know that God desires, his greatest desire for you is to have life in that area. He is not standing there and going, I'm sorry, honey, but this is kind of just how it is. Or, I'm sorry, honey, but this is the consequences for your decisions. He desires more than anything for you to have life in that area where you feel weary. But he's calling us to radical obedience. And I'm going to show you, this is not just me saying it. It's the Lord himself that gives us this instruction. In John 8, verse 31, 31. He says to the Jews who believed in him, so to believers, he said, if you abide in my word, you are really my disciples. So we can not really be his disciples? If you abide in my word, you are really my disciples. And when you are really my disciples, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. We need the truth. In order for us to get things in alignment in those areas of weariness, we need to know what to do. And we need to not know what the world's going to tell us to do. We need to know from the person who is truth, who is the way, and who is the life. That's the only way. We need it. Truth is powerful. And you will only know the truth when we do what? When we abide in his word. Abide in his word. What does that mean? Abide in his word does not mean come to church and hear it. Abide in his word does not even mean reading your word every day. Abide in his word does not even mean believing everything is true. Abiding in the word means hearing it, believing it, and acting on it. It calls for obedience. It calls for us to respond and say, whatever you say, I'll say. Wherever you go, I go. Whatever you tell me to do, I will do. I have a dear friend who I've walked a long road with. She, 
she came from a very, very hard upbringing. She um, was raped numerous times in her childhood years, in her teen years. As a teen, was in numerous relationships with men over 40. Um, went through a lot of really, really ugly things. And I think she's had six abortions. And um, eventually found the Lord and got married. Had children. And then... There were things from her past that she hadn't dealt with and they kind of came up again for her and she kicked her husband out and started to go down the road again of, um, of just deep turmoil and started to make choices and give the enemy a lot of um, hold in her, in her life and, and everything started to crumble. Her health started to crumble financially. Her children, that was the hardest thing to watch. And one time I spoke to her and we were talking about her situation and she was in the one relationship after the other. Anyone she could meet online that she could engage with. Sexual sin came in like no other and she just lived this very dark season of her life and at one point I spoke to her and she said, I'm not gonna get a divorce. And I said, why not? Like, why are you not getting a divorce? Not that I was encouraging it, it was a, just a question. And she said, because God told me I'm not to get divorced, I'm gonna have to take him back at some point. And I'm like, okay. So over these last six years, we've been speaking into her life. Sorry, I'm a crier. <laughs> and speaking that word over her life over and over. And a month ago, she called me one day and she said, he's moving back at the end of the month. She had seven years of weariness. But she had to go back to what God told her to do in the beginning. She had to get aligned so that the weariness can be taken care of by only God. But God calls us to step one before he can come in and do step two. Total obedience. See, we sometimes sit back and just pray, pray, okay, God, fix my marriage. God, do this. God, do good, do that. And then when things don't fall into place, we blame God. Or we find this warped idea in our minds that maybe this is part of God's plan. It doesn't work like that. He has given us instruction. The Bible is there for us for a reason. There's, it's basically like a customized, personalized manual for you, for your life, for your situation, for each and every single one of us. And we have to start looking at that and abiding in that and taking his words seriously. We have to do what it says and then, then he comes in and does what only he can do. We have to hear it, believe it, and apply it. Radical obedience can sometimes sound so churchy and Christian-easy. It's total obedience. That's what it means. Anything he tells me, I'm going to do. We as the daughters of the king can no longer come to church week after week, go to Bible study after Bible study, dig into scripture week after week after week, just listening, smiling, and walking out to continue living in our weariness and our lack of alignment. It's time for us to do what we say we believe. The world needs to see that now more than ever before. We have been called to be set apart. We cannot be set apart if we live in disobedience. I want you to take a moment and think of a person in your life maybe that is hard to forgive. 
And you can even recognize in your thoughts the reasons why it's hard to forgive that person or why you should not forgive that person. Ladies, the Bible tells me to forgive. I need to forgive. Doesn't matter whether they're remorseful. It doesn't matter whether they have apologized. It doesn't even matter if they keep on doing what they're doing. My job is not to be responsible for them. My job is to be responsible for me, for my life to be in alignment. And in order for my life to be in alignment, I have to do what he tells me to do. If he tells us to forgive, we have to forgive. doesn't matter what. If he tells me to stop gossiping, I need to stop gossiping. If the Bible tells me to respect and honor my husband, oh, Ermery, but you have no idea. He's emotionally completely detached. doesn't matter. Oh, Irma, you have no idea how he speaks to me. He's so disrespectful to me. It doesn't matter. I'm not saying we need to be subjects of abuse. Please hear my heart. But we are called to respect and honor our husbands. All of us at some point in time can find ourselves like Gertrude, out of alignment emotionally and spiritually. And we ask him to breathe life into it. I think God really wants to. But he looks and he says, if I'm going to come now and do step two and breathe life into this, I'm going to create dysfunction. And he does not create dysfunction. He comes to give life and give life more abundantly. It's who he is. He is the life giver. But we have to do our part. In Isaiah 1 verse 19, we see the prophet bring a word of divine revelation to the nation of Israel. Now remember in the Old Testament, the Bible was not there yet. So God spoke through the prophets. So this is God speaking. He said, if you consent and obey, you will eat the best of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword. Is that not our problem today? We all want to eat the best of the land, but we don't want to take responsibility for our part in that. We just want God to give us the best of the land. And when he doesn't or he takes too long, we blame him and more weariness. I want a great marriage, but I don't respect my husband. I want more money, but I don't tithe and I don't give. In 2 Kings 5, we read about a man who is covered in leprosy. Such a great example of total obedience. His name was Naaman, dying, weary to the biggest degree of weariness. He's dying. He's covered in leprosy. He's an outcast. And he comes to Elisha and he says to him, what do I need to do to be healed? What do I need to do to get rid of this weariness? I cannot go on like this anymore. I wake up weary. I go through my day weary. I go to sleep weary. My life is the example of what weary looks like. And Elisha tells him to go into the river Jordan and dip himself seven times. And his first response was, pride kicked in, right? Pride kicked in. And his first response was, that's beneath me. I'm not going to go and do that. But then his, his servant girl was there, and she said, this is the word of the Lord. 
This is the word of God. You have to do this. So he gives in and he goes. And he steps into this river and I just, I just can't imagine what was going on in his head. Total obedience. What is this going to look like? So he goes in. One. Comes out. Nothing. I think maybe there will be a bit going off. Two. Nothing. Three. Nothing. Five. Nothing. I bet at that point he was like, this is a joke. Can't believe I'm doing this. I look like a fool. Six. Nothing. What if this is not going to happen? Seven. Healed. All the weariness gone. Total obedience. Total obedience. Disobedience is not on God. It's on us. And half obedience is disobedience. I was asking the Lord to just give me some insight as to what I can just touch on right now before I finish of what could be a hindrance for us to be obedient. Because none of us wake up in the morning and go, I'm not going to be obedient to God's word today. <laughs> like we all actually walked out of church and out of our Bible studies and out of our quiet time with the Lord and we go, yes, I'm going to do this. I'm going to follow the word. And then two hours later, we're like, do, 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 do. But there's, there's many reasons why we are disobedient. But just this one I'm going to touch on. I think sometimes the problem is God is silent. I don't know if it's just me, but I can, I would be embarrassed to tell you how many times I have probably said, God, I will do it if you just speak to me in a loud voice, like audible, or a burning bush or a donkey would be good too. Like, I just need a big, big sign and I need it to be loud. Then I will have no problem obeying, no problem. I promise God, just make it very clear. Anybody else? Thank you for making me feel a little bit better. Now, let me encourage you, just because God is sometimes silent, and I've learned this over and over again, does not mean he is inactive or uninterested or preoccupied. I think there are two possible lessons we can learn from this when we struggle with that silence issue, and the worship team can come up. The one thing is God may be silent because he is working on something. Anticipation. If we look in Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, God spoke through his prophet very boldly, very loudly, because the people really needed all the guidance they needed. And then after Malachi, for 400 years, theologians have said that there was no, and we could see in the Bible, no, God never spoke. 400 years he was silent. But when's the next time he shows up and speaks? The angel to Mary. Oh, everything that happened in the background up until that day. He was working on the background preparing Mary. He was working in the background preparing Joseph. He was busy working for that prophetic word of ultimate life to come alive. Sometimes when God is silent, just be patient because he's working on something. And in the process, like Naaman in that river, God was silent. He was not saying, okay, just one more time, Naaman. 
You can do this just one more time. I promise you have this. No, he was silent. He had to step into that obedience and go, I'm going to do what he said I needed to do, even if it doesn't make sense right now. When God is silent, we need to keep walking in obedience. The second lesson we can learn from that is God may be silent because he's done talking. And I know that can feel a little bit ouchy, but I hope and I trust that you hear my heart and that that's a conviction, not a condemnation. Because it's a conviction for me. That same book, the Old Testament, God was speaking through Malachi. The people were adding to the laws. They were doing what, what was right became wrong. What was wrong became right. They were completely lost. And I think there might be a chance that God just went, I've already said everything I needed to say. I've already given them all the instruction. Go back to the last thing he told you to do. If you have an area of weariness, it's because there's something out of alignment. God does not create weariness. Something's out of alignment. Go back to the last thing he told you to do. Go back to the last time he told you to stop doing something. Or he told you to walk away from someone or something. Don't be weary with the silence. He has not abandoned you. He has not forgotten you. He has not given up on you. Even if you've walked in disobedience for 40 years. And I know that it sounds counterproductive because when we're weary, the last thing we want to do is do more. But I beg of you today to stop for a minute and go back and get in alignment. Identify the area of weariness and go dig into the Word. See what His Word tells you to do and do it. Get back into obedience, get back into alignment. And remember, we, this is important. We are not, you are not called to perfection. You're only called to obedience. He's perfect. And in Him, we find our righteousness. We are not called to perfection, we're called to obedience. And the beautiful thing is He does not set us up to fail. When he calls me and he calls Gertrude and he says, you have to get your life back in alignment. He does not go and sit, okay, I'm waiting. Tell me when you're done. No, no. He stands right by you. His Holy Spirit whispers in your ear. Come, come. He whispers right in your ear. You, when you open the word, Letters just come speaking right to your heart and words just that you've seen so many times but it's never spoken to you like that before. It just directs you and it guides you because he's a gentle father and he's a loving father. He will 100% guide you, strengthen and direct us in this. I'm gonna ask Nikeo to rebuild Gertrude. You can take her down. You can rebuild her with a blindfold because even when we ask God to come, 
we still are blinded. That's why it's called walk by faith and not by sight. We have to walk by faith. She's gonna walk by faith and rebuild her life with the direction of God and the Holy Spirit.